Welcome to Christ and Culture, a podcast about two kingdoms, man's kingdom and God's kingdom, and how they collide. What's going on, guys? It's Paul, and I'm back, man. This is the Christ and Culture podcast, and today it's all about worship. So I have my buddy, Pastor Aaron Hoskins here, and he is going to talk to me a little bit about worship. He's actually the worship pastor at Hewland Street Church, where I go to church, which I love. It's so awesome. And so uh, introduce yourself a a little bit for us there. Well, I mean, uh, my name is Aaron Hoskins, as you said, and I am... I've been at Hewland Street Church for almost 10 years now. Prior to that, I was at uh, Fellowship Bible Church Benton in Arkansas. Uh, yeah, doing, go Arkansas. That's yeah. right. That's right. Razorback <laughs> country for sure. I yeah. uh, felt a little bit out of water. I'm an Aggie by heart, oh, so man, uh, oh, I had to grow to well, love Let me shut you. this down, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had to – I mean, I love the, the Razorbacks and the, the, the whole spirit of Arkansas. So I was there in Benton for – about seven years, and then uh, moved here to Fort Worth. Been here, like I said, almost ten years, and um, so yeah, born and raised um, Dallas, Texas area, oh, wow. and uh, went to Texas A and M. Uh, felt just a real calling to ministry shortly after that, and then found myself in Arkansas for that season. Moved back to Texas, got myself back to Texas as quickly as I could. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then uh, I met my wife in, in Arkansas, and uh, we're married over 15 years now. I've got three kids. Oh, love it. And uh, life is fun and busy for yeah. sure. <laughs> so, three kids, 15 years, man, that's a blessing. Man. Yes, sir. You don't see that often, man. So, uh, dude, you are such a unique brother. You know, um, I had the privilege, like I, I've got to be able to be a part of the worship team and play with you guys. Mm-hmm. And and uh, dude, how do you know Charlie Hall, bro? <laughs> I was singing songs about him back like 10, <laughs> 15 years ago, 20 years ago, man. That's amazing. Yeah, bro. I actually have begun, I mean, I knew of him just like you did for the longest time through Passion Ministry, but not like having a relationship with him. I really started be- beginning a friendship with him really only about two or three years ago. I am a part of a ministry that mentors worship pastors um, and worship team members called Worship Circle. And it's something that comes out of uh, Todd Field's heart. And uh, he is a worship pastor that um, just felt a calling to really begin investing in uh, other worship pastors and help them and equip them just to take care of their souls, but also just Mm. give them real handles about the responsibility and the weight of what it means to usher people into the presence of God and not be just song executors or uh, musicians, but pastors. And, and and it's through that ministry that Charlie Hall got connected pretty early on. Um, and I ended up uh, hearing about it probably about three, three and a half years ago. And um, shortly after that became uh, one of the small group leaders in one of those uh, groups. And I partnered with Charlie to uh, essentially admin a lot of the groups that come through uh, that program so man that's amazing dude that's so cool also the heart like you said behind it of not just being good musicians but being a pastor that's what uh because I, I was a worship pastor for about five years at a church a small church and uh that was what my pastor was telling me it's like dude you're not up there just to play music you're up there to lead people into the presence of god and shepherd them mm-hmm. into the knowledge of who he is you know and so i think that's an awesome thing that you're doing that man yeah, so beautiful it. and that's kind of the questions that i'm, I'm going to be asking about today because dude 
it seems like worship is coming under so much fire these days, you know. <laughs> it's like so much going on about how we worship. What should we sing? Uh, how should we sing it? Mm-hmm. Who should be singing it, you know. And so I, I want to ask a couple of questions from a person that does this as their job, you know, and, and see what you think about it. So first off, I want to ask, why is worship, specifically in song, so important? Mm-hmm. Man, that's a great question. There's a there's a number of ways in which I can approach that. I could give you all of the scriptures. I mean, there's a ton of scriptures that um, are written down that deliberately exhorting people to sing, sing to the Lord a new song. Mm. Uh, repeatedly, it says that like in five different ways. You hear of Jesus after he takes communion. As soon as they finished uh, taking communion yeah. for the first time, they sing a, a, right. a hymn a right afterwards. Yep. Um, you know, even when uh, Paul and Silas are completely in prison and beaten, what are they doing? They're yeah. singing hymns. They're singing. <laughs> uh, and there's something about the song that awakens the soul in a different way than just spoken word does. Mm-hmm. And so you hear, for me, I answer that question not just because the Bible tells me so to sing, but it is there is an aspect of which the truth of God's word gets connected to a different part of how I'm wired, how I think all human uh, beings are wired. Yeah. Because you start bringing in the um, the emotion and the mood and the feel of it and connecting that to the truth of God's word. The idea of the fact that God sings over us. Like, mm. I think there's a passage of scripture that talks about God singing over yeah, um, his people. And so it's that very idea. That I think that's hardwired into who he is. Um, and so when when we're commanded to sing, I think there is a benefit that we as human beings receive in that, not only to ourselves, but corporately. It's something that is um, absolutely beautiful when you hear the congregation singing out loud these songs. And it's like I look over across the way and I will see someone who I know is going through a particularly difficult time of suffering or trial but they're singing of God's faithfulness, which then speaks to me and encourages yeah. my heart, encourages me to continue to walk in faithfulness. Um, so it's it, it does a number of functions, yeah. not just by hearing spoken word, but the song just connects, I think, to a spirit level that I think God intended. Yeah, for sure. I like that idea that you said, though, uh, where you're up there and you know a particular person is going through a very difficult time or a season in their life and they're singing about the faithfulness of God and that just encourages you. Mm-hmm to uh, be faithful in your life. I, mm-hmm. I think that is a part of worship and not just specifically in music because it talks about that in Hebrews. It says that encouraging each other all along the day. That's why we don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together. Exactly. And that's a beautiful thing, man, that we are there for each other, but every person there is also there for us and we could be growing in that. And you talked about the emotional aspect. So that's one thing that I've been hearing a lot. I had a buddy uh, at the school that I talked to and he was talking about the emotional uh, parts of the song and that we shouldn't feel some type of emotion while we're singing these songs, but should be stirred to emotion by the very words of the song and not the music behind it. What do you, what do you think about that, the, the aspect of worship and its music and how we sometimes emphasize worship so much? Let me give you an example. Cause, yeah. uh, like uh, There's a song, I think it's um, Fix You by, by uh, Coldplay, Coldplay yeah, mm-hmm. and they got that, you know, and I just start getting all, squeezing my fist ready, yeah. you know, because it, it, you feel the emotional you, you, charge from yeah, it, you know? absolutely. And I think Hillsong has a lot of songs that are like that. You know, some people say they sound a lot like uh, U2 in the way that they drive the music and it drives your spirit. So what do you think about using those type of musical aspects to drive emotion 
for the people in the congregation? I think it's a beautiful thing. I think that art and just the music itself without lyrics can be absolutely 100% worshipful. I mean, mm. I think when you have, you take any instrument uh, anywhere, not just the North American instruments, but just anywhere in the world, and you have someone that's incredibly gifted in using that. And when they play that, that absolutely can be worshipful. And you could take me somewhere with how it sounds and plays. And then you, when you merge that with lyrics and the truth of God, you want to talk about an incredibly powerful force. I mean, Tony, you know, I've said this before in, in services, but um, there's a pastor named Tony Merida who was spoke at a conference and he talked about how music is portable theology. And it's like, they're more likely to remember the songs that you sang and not the pastor's sermon mm. because of your marrying um, the truth of what the song is speaking about with a song that um, is a hook that gets in your head. So that charge that you feel is very much taking you somewhere. And when those lyrics are merged well with that energy of that song, it could be this incredibly powerful moment that now gets hidden away in your heart and in your mind. Yeah. And you know what it says, which is why it's really important to write songs that are theologically accurate and true to the, to the uh, revelation of God's word. Yeah. There's an incredible burden on songwriters to do that. But on top of that, um, I remember a story in when I was a, a music major and I remember hearing that there was a, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the name of the composer, but there was essentially, picture this orchestra where this beautiful, um, I think it was a French horn, is playing this solo in this orchestra. And it's like one of the first times that this particular community was playing this. And he, as he's playing this French horn, the conductor looked over at the soloist on the French horn and notice that there were tears streaming down this person's face mm. as he's playing it because he was moved by just the music of it. And so the art of it, I think, is, can be incredibly powerful. And it does need to be merged a lot of times with the truth of God's word. But I don't, I think it's hard. And I think it's almost in some ways a little bit too critical when you start to criticize and, and call worship bands music like manipulative or mm. you're trying to manipulate my emotions because. I'm not going to be an emotionless being. I'm, I am created to have emotions. God made me that way. God is emotive. He's not led by his emotions, but he, is, he feels things. And so mm-hmm. to separate that entirely in the worship and say, hey, that's bad. Just give me the truth. I think the truth is supposed to stir something in me too. And the music can serve that in a really beautiful way. I think you have to be careful. I think people could on purposely try to just to create some kind of moment just with the instruments themselves. But I think um, on as a whole, when you see what's happening in the room um, and what uh, and where the spirit of God moves in a worship service in general, I think that the emotion, the music, musicianship side married with the, the lyrics is just 100% a beautiful thing, and sometimes we're a little bit too critical. I think that's true, man. That's definitely what I believe, man, because uh, you said it perfectly when you said that the music serves the lyrics, mm-hmm. you know, um, that the words in which we speak stir the emotion, but there's just something more powerful. Like you said, when they both come together, it could just be a super awesome moment mm-hmm. in, the, in the presence of God. So, 100%. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And be, because you spoke about the words, I think that is so important. Um there is uh, uh, that the first ever, I guess, major problem in theology happened because of a guy who uh, used music to teach false doctrine. 
You know, um, now I'm trying to think of his name. But he's the one that, uh, uh, did, oh, Arianism, that's it. Mm-hmm. And so Arianism is whenever they subordinated Jesus, said that Jesus was not equal with God. And the way that he did it is he wrote a bunch of catchy songs mm-hmm. that people sang. And so th- it began to twist their theology yep. because they sung those songs, like you said. And so, man, that's a that's a huge deal. And you said that knowing the truth or, or speaking the truth in the songs is so important. So I have two questions, actually. It's like, how important are the words of the songs that we sing? Obviously, um, you, you gave it pretty good. But then also, well, how do you pick the songs that we sing in church? Mm. Well, certainly the simple answer is very important. Um, as I've said before, you know, it's I don't disregard or think lightly the fact that more people will probably walk away with, wow, that song really hit me. Uh, and it's going to be more easy to remember than maybe a particular point in a message. That's not always the truth, not always the case. But a lot of people, that's what they'll, that's a takeaway. I like that hook and I like what that said. Did you hear that? And so it's incredibly important to have right thinking and right theology and, and songs that communicate that. How I pick it, though, a lot of times I try to take people on a journey in talking about the gospel. And so it doesn't always work like this because, it, again, we're under grace. So it's, there's, there's no reason why I have to be legalistic about this. But in general, I try to do a uh, song that at the beginning is just speaking about the magnificence and praise of God, just mm. His holiness, His wonder, come, just sing to Him in, in terms of those kinds of themes. But then as we get in deeper into the service, we introduce uh, people to the cross and the gospel component that is why we even gather and sing at all. Yeah. And what it sings about, his life, his death, his resurrection. My favorite part about those songs is that it, it never fails. You sing about his death, but then you start singing verses about resurrection. And, and then anyone I know who's listening right now, they've been in rooms where they start feeling a buzz. And they just go, <laughs> they know what's coming. And they, and they sing a little bit louder, and they get a little bit more on the edge of their seats. And you take them to that place. And then comes the songs about giving my life and my sacrifice, and I want to follow you. It's because of who he is at the beginning, who he is, and he's mm. God and I am not, what he has done, his life, his, his poured out blood on the cross, then makes me go, you know what, like he's worth my affection, he's worth my worship. And every Sunday we need to remember that because yeah. we are prone to wander, my friend. <laughs> oh, I feel it, man. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> hey, that's beautiful, though, because oftentimes, man, I remember being younger, a person asked me, like, why do we sing the songs we sing? And uh, one of them was like, I give my life, I do all that. He's like, man, but what if I don't feel that? Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that you're saying is the reason we sing those songs is because that is the emotion you want us to feel and to get from the fact that, that God is glorious. Mm-hmm. And then... He's glorious because he gave his life for us. And yeah. so what does that giving of his life should do? What should that do for us? Mm-hmm. You know, So that's that's a beautiful aspect of worship. Man. Absolutely. And there is this, like, man, and I'm here, here I am the worship pastor, and I get on stage. Usually there's always the first two or three minutes of butterfly jitters that I'll feel every time I get in front of people. And then that subsides. But a lot of times that I am on stage, I'm not there. I don't feel it either. And I have to remind myself that when I'm in that place, like there are so many people that are in those seats that are that have had a fight with their spouse. It was just a battle to get their kids into the room. Uh, their world may be completely falling apart. And then here we're going to talk about singing about the faithfulness of God, and they're not feeling it in that moment. But the the truth is, and for myself included, is that that God is faithful 
to me, even if I don't necessarily feel like he is. Like his faithfulness is not dependent on my feeling. And what never fails is that when I meditate on that truth, when I hear that song over me or hear the person next to me singing that song in a, in a, in a fervor that I may not have, it's, it, it can't help but be contagious. It can't mm. help but be woosome. I don't know if that's a word, but it woos me. <laughs> I like um, it though. <laughs> uh, winsome. It woos me over to this place of like, you know what, Lord, like I, my circumstances do not have to determine how I respond. And that's what we see all in scripture is in all circumstances, Paul is just saying rejoice. Like mm. you can, you can have that because we have the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit that indwells us that um, can help us despite our circumstances. And for me, when I walk up and I'm not necessarily feeling it, a lot of times it is um, his kindness to me when I look out and I'm leading songs, maybe unintentionally trying to phone it in and I see someone really getting into it. And it's the church that really pulls me in as the worship Mm -hmm. leader. And so it's, we need each other. I may be on the stage, but I'm looking a lot of times to the church to, um, to lead me. And many oftentimes they do. Yeah, man, that's a good word. That's definitely a good word. I I talked to a brother yesterday and Sunday, they said, uh, this Sunday, they said, we had some problems in the very beginning. And I was one of the causes. <laughs> I feel bad, so bad about that. But it was so many problems. And uh, uh, one of the brothers on the team was like, yeah, he's like, but we worked through it and things worked out. And then another brother that was in our group was like, dude, I just thought service was great. Yeah. And so it, it's good for for you to say that even when you come in, that things could be so bad. Mm-hmm. But it's because of the people and the songs that we sing mm-hmm. that causes us to come to worship you know Absolutely. even though we don't feel like worshiping it's the the movement of the words the song the congregation the people mm-hmm. that cause you to worship so that's a good word man and so oftentimes too like and i think if there are worship leaders that are listening to this like there we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as pastors to try to make sure that everything is so polished everything is so well done and it's usually the time where the wheels completely fall off and i feel like that was the worst service that I will get the people that are not the, you know, not, not always on the errand train. They're not always telling me I did a good job, but it's some, some person that's a complete stranger that will come up to me and say like, that really meant something to them. And, and to me, I just got to remind myself, like God's is kind that he is, his ability to move and work is not dependent on my ability to be flawless in my execution uh, because he is stirring in the hearts of people worship. And so um, it's not an excuse to show up unprepared, right? But at the same time, uh, God has done some pretty incredible things just even in our room. You've seen that um, yeah. at Healing Street where things didn't go as planned. We lost a lot of things technically failed or uh, the worship leader totally completely screwed up, that person being me. And yet still God is God is going to be praised by his people um, in that very way and oftentimes moves uh, with greater impact than the most polished service and that, yeah, that that's, is a, amazing. that's a pressure release for me to go, you know what, God d- doesn't need me, but he invites me into that process. Mm-hmm. And so it, it relieves the pressure for me. I don't have to be perfect because he's enough. And uh, that leads me into a usually a, a lot better worship experiences. <laughs> <laughs> that is, man, that was a good word too, man. You've been saying some good words, <laughs> but that he doesn't need us, but he invites us to be a part of something greater. That's that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Well, I got I got a tough question here because oh a lot's been going on here lately. I've been seeing on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, and all these things about worship and then uh, the church that they're attached to. Mm-hmm. So, question for me is: uh, um, 
Have you heard about this thing that, that we are not allowed to sing songs because the church has bad theology? Mm-hmm. And uh, so where do you fall on that? And then, then like, how'd you come to that conclusion? Sure. Yeah, that's a tough question. Uh, I know people that fall on two very opposite extremes, one of which is absolutely write off every song that comes out of the churches that they don't align with theologically and others that are completely permissive um, and will play and sing just about any song uh, regardless of who. And both at times have compelling arguments as to why they do what they do. I feel like I fall more in the middle of the, the spectrum. I 100% believe that all truth is God's truth, no matter mm-hmm. no matter the, the voice. And, you know, Paul says uh, in Philippians, you know, that that whether pretense or in truth, if someone's preaching the gospel for yeah. for selfish gain, he's going to rejoice in that. Um, and this I will rejoice because it's the gospel. Yeah. Now, some might argue, well, what is this church preaching versus that? Is it really the gospel? And I think for me, where I land on that spectrum is I, I land more into the all truth is God's truth. And I look at what the, the words are saying and what it says about God. That's my first filter. I don't look at who it's from, but what does it say about God? Yeah. And if it's something that aligns with what I believe to be true about Scripture, then I feel like it is absolutely fair game to play yeah. um, and to lead and to lead um, uh, with authority and confidence, knowing that it is my responsibility as unto the Lord, under the leadership of this church, under the elders, that God has um, ordained me to teach and communicate the gospel through this song. So if I lead that song, I need to lead it well and to shepherd them about its meaning, not just play it and just not comment on it. So we've read, we've led a lot of songs that have had controversy um, over a certain lyrical content or whatever, but I don't just lead it and not comment on it in service Mm -hmm. or in blogs or in social media posts. I still try to go, we sing this and here's why. Here's why I can have a clear conscience. This is what it says about God this way. And, I, and I'm teaching. It's the pastoral component to leading, which I think a lot of times um, can be a miss if worship leaders just get up and do the catchy song, but fail to communicate um, what it's saying about God. Because then people can be left to their own conclusions, and then the, they walk away with something that isn't what's being communicated from the church or intended to. And so um, I don't know if that fully answers your question. I land more in the middle. I'm okay to lead songs that some might say, oh, I don't trust that ministry because I look at what it says because I believe God speaks all kinds of ways. And this is just my my perspective, my opinion. I'm speaking for Aaron Hoskins only. Sometimes um, the worship leaders, the songwriters do not always represent the pastors in which they're sitting under. I've, I've had a lot of ideas about who I thought worship leaders are and what where their line of thinking was. And then when, I, when I've spoken with some of these guys and, and women and I listened to their heart, they are so scripturally grounded and more than I thought. And so I had, I'd made a snap judgment based on one song and what ministry they're coming out of when the truth is you and I, we're sitting across from this table, we're talking we have maybe a general grounding, but we may differ on some things. And you may write a song that I don't agree with, but that doesn't mean that fundamentally there is a unity in the body. And it's the farther removed we get from the writer and the ministry, the more it's easy it is to cast judgment on what we think they're saying. And I found that to be true for me. And so it's given me a little bit more grace to not be as critical, but not entirely take it off. There are songs that go, mm, I'm not going to sing that for these reasons. 
they may have confidence to sing it, but I don't. And I feel like it is my responsibility responsibility to the Lord to do what I feel like his spirit's telling me, again, as to the responsibility of the people at Healing Street Church. Man, that that, that uh, does give me clarity because um, it is the lyrics that are in it. And that does lead me to something else, though, is that what about songs? And, and you said it a, a, a little bit when you were talking about explaining the songs, and that's part of the role of pastor in the worship pastor mm-hmm. arena. But what about songs that seem to be um, more controversial mm-hmm. as to the lyrics that they might present whenever they are sung and that they may not accurately represent um, who God is faithfully? And some may say the way in which they speak about it is like a poetic type of license mm-hmm. or, or anything like that. Uh, and so specifically, there's like a couple of songs. Like uh, I, I know Reckless Love is a mm-hmm. big one, you know. And um, another one is, uh, uh, I think it's called like A Million Times, um, where where it talks about... Uh, oh, uh, yeah, that, yes, that all, Billion. Uh, it's the, it, you're talking about the Hillsong one? Yeah, where it talks about them... Um, um, mute, not mutating, evo- evolving, yeah, evolving into it. what uh, yes. God said. Mm-hmm. What do you think about th- those types of songs that sure. allude to a, a weird or maybe a false understanding of who God is, though they could be seen mm-hmm. as just like uh, metaphorical ways yeah. of speaking? That's great. Um, as a songwriter myself, uh, it's really hard to write songs in English, like because our our language, as I'm as I'm writing. It, you have to get, you have to dig down real deep to find creative ways of saying things. I think if you can, you should say it plainly, and that's usually where we start as songwriters is say it plainly. But sometimes saying it plainly doesn't always work because it, for whatever reason, because there's a there is a poetry to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of like a reckless love, I sing that completely in confidence because one, I've I've heard and and read exactly where he's coming from and what he means when he says that you can you could take any song and there are a lot of hymns out there that you could take and go there are some hymns that we sing on the regular that come from um, a theology that does not believe in uh eternal security yeah um uh, and so like you know the one we just sang with on come thou fount when Mm -hmm. he when he would say and i hope by thy good pleasure, yeah. safely to arrive at home. He wrote that from a place of not knowing. Mm. He just hoped that he did. Now, we sing that from a very different lens. Yeah. It's a, a confident hope. But in his perspective, he didn't write that with this confident hope. It's it's a, I hope it's enough. Um, and so there was a lot of, um, so it's it can be real easy to criticize the lyric. But when you, when you are, you don't get to redefine terms um, as a writer, but you can also say what you mean. And um, in many respects, like in this case with Reckless, I think from the outside looking in, you sending your son to die for someone who rebelled all the way to the very bitter end and had no way of seeing otherwise looks kind of reckless to me. It really does. And that's the, that's the beauty and the surprise of the gospel is it does, in a sense, look kind of reckless. And that's that kind of love that looks and appears reckless. That is the one that's kicking down walls and chasing after that one who's lost and is saying, hey, rejoice with me. I found the one. That's the heart. It's written. And then you look at the rest of the context of the song. It supports it. The overwhelming, never-ending 
And then you, there's that buzzword I get tripped up on, reckless. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, and leaves a 90. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Like, that kind of love, def- what's being described later in the song is defining the what is intended and meant by reckless. It looks like you gave no regard for your, your own personal safety because it's true. He didn't. He considered the other side more glorious and despised the cross and the shame and went through that because the other end was worth it to him. And so to me, that's like when I take a song like that, I go, there you go. There's, there's other songs that I go, mm. uh, you know, and it, I think it's, that's what's beautiful about songwriting and the pastorship of other worship leaders in the church is they are also listening to the Spirit, and they're trying to shepherd people in their flock, and a certain song may not be good for them. No. But the very same song could be good for someone else, and it does lead them to a greater understanding of God's love where this other church may not be ready, or they would misunderstand it given their context. And so that's why we don't sit under one worship pastor and one pastor. It's, it is a body with many parts, mm. and it's, it is those, those who lead it and who have higher responsibility to listen, pay attention, scrutinize those lyrics, pray, ask God, is this for our people? And you bring that to them and you kind of listen. I mean, I've played songs that didn't sink in that I thought would. And then we scrap after a couple of weeks doing it because it's not connecting or communicating. And so for me, I think there is, this, it's a balance. And, and so for churches that that go that that route or the lyrics that seem questionable, you know, even with the Hillsong uh, song, and it talks about, you know, it seems to imply something about creation, evolving in the truth of what you said. You could take a real critical approach to that. I personally don't. I haven't introduced that here, not for that very reason, because there's also a ton of good songs. Another thing, I, hopefully no one's tuning out with me talking a lot. <laughs> no, you're good, but bro. Another, it's good. another thing that I would say to this too and I, I heard it from a lot of worship leaders much more seasoned than I am, is sometimes, you know, you might only ever in a worship set have a list of 30 songs in a, in a whole set that you could do in a month or more. And so you're, there are so many good songs out there. So if there is a song that says the exact same thing you're trying to communicate, that's a little bit more clear, a little bit less controversial, and you could, it's between that or this other one, then just go with the one that's less controversial. You don't have to pick the song that's super hard, only unless you feel like there's that God is leading you that direction or you can't escape it or there's something that you feel like is need to be said that that song says that another song doesn't touch on. And for me with Reckless Love, it, there was that. There was this, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Not a lot of songs say that. And and still you give yourself away. I was like, man, yes, that needs to be on the lips of our people but other songs that are also equally questionable lyric, why did you say it that way? I might get an acceptable answer from the songwriter, but since I don't have that, sometimes just singing another song about the cross or another song about creation um, certainly helps our people and avoids the entire conflict entirely. I like your explanation, though, uh, as to the fact that from the outside it may look reckless, and so it's not really it's not really reckless, but what else would we think it would be? You right. Know? We are so. human beings struggling to find words to a God we cannot comprehend, yeah. but still 
chooses in his kindness to disclose himself. He wants to be known. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about infinite God with finite man with mm-hmm. finite words. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I do think we are way too hard on our poets and our storytellers and our artists who are str- who are trying to put into words the things that we are trying to express ourselves but don't have the talent or skill to do so. And so I think the church could go with a little bit more grace towards <laughs> yeah. th- those people because um, uh, well they do they do need it man need artists it. need grace need, man we need it yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that was, that's awesome man and there was a song in the past that I used to sing as a, as a worship pastor uh, it's that uh, song where it was really by John Mac- Macmillan John 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 Mac- John Mark Macmillan yeah mm-hmm. and then they sang it uh, another group David Crowder band sang yep. it I'm trying to think it's like sloppy wet kids yeah <laughs> yeah so it's like uh, <laughs> they the the David Crowder changed it to uh-huh. um, unforeseen kids unforeseen kids so what do you think about that in songs that because I know that the the reckless love you know that that like you said it's got that trigger word but everything else just seems so on point he's yeah. like because that, that he sings over it's mm-hmm. like he was talking about mm-hmm. that scripture says that's that's he pulled that from scripture and it says he runs after us he, he leaves the ninety nine and gets the one mm-hmm. you know that's 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 just soaked up in scripture so what do you think about how uh, uh, with songs that are just so good and so deep mm-hmm. and so rich in theology but there could be something that may be a little offensive like sloppy wet sure. kiss it's funny uh, you fun- you mentioned it that way like I, I agree with you that sloppy wet kiss when it first came out felt a little bit just odd to me like that's an interesting way of saying it mm-hmm. but john mark mcmillan as i understand i've never met the man but the way i understand it he is very he's like the artist artist he is mm-hmm. very poetic and dives deep into that and and so david crowder in an attempt to connect with a larger audience and not let this fantastic song be misunderstood by one lyric he asked permission john mark Gave that, and Ian gave a, a great reply, almost kind of lamenting why um, that would be necessary, you know, because we can't get it. And for me, but but then what's interesting enough, I became a father, and I got a, a lot of sloppy wet kisses from my son. And <laughs> the beauty of when I, as a dad, make a mistake towards my son, but he comes running towards me in forgiveness, because that's what they do when they're kids, and they come in and they. I mean, when daddy says, I'm sorry, I messed up. Will you forgive me? And he comes as a two-year-old, just wiping his naughty nose, sloppy kiss <laughs> all over my face. Like, I tasted a little bit of what unconditional feels like. And I think that's what he's trying to say is heaven meets earth. Like a, It's like this unconditional, you didn't merit it, you didn't earn it. I am pouring out mm. a, a cascading love on you. And my heart pounds inside of my deep inside my chest and I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way he loves us. Yeah. I think that's what he's trying to get at. It's yeah. like this it's not withheld, it's not a peck, it's not reserved or um conditioned. It is all of me, you mm. know, and that's that is God's posture towards us is he wants to give all of himself to us. And so he takes a very beautiful way of saying it. But people who don't understand who have yeah. are, are not walking or just a little bit further, uh, different places with their walk with God that don't understand that and that imagery, they could find that offensive or confusing, needing explanation. And so in those situations, I understand both sides. Mm. Uh, I understand Mark's, John Mark's heart, and I also understand Crowder's perspective to go, for those that don't understand, can I say it this way? Is that okay? And John Mark's showing an incredible amount of grace and understanding to say, yes, you can. There's a lot of 
people out there that do not ask the artist's permission to change the lyrics, which kind of bothers me as a songwriter. We know what we're trying to mm. say. If you want to say it differently, I, I, I love you. Person out there listening, write your own song. You know? Um, <laughs> I know that's not funny, but it is funny. Right, you know? It's like, yeah, you're right. It's, it's like, um, so there, there's, there's a reason and a rhyme behind what, the hours that we'll spend in a writing room. Mm-hmm. And we're laboring over the theology. We got man, the those writing rooms I've had, we've had scripture open, pouring over, asking, is this does this fall in line? Are we saying are we trying to be too cutesy with this? And then when we present something, I wouldn't want someone to change it. But at the same time, when when a crowder asks uh, uh, John Martin Millen, may I? That is that shows a lot of integrity and a lot of willingness. And the reason why was hey, you have written a great song as is. Uh, do I have your permission to uh, help it connect to an audience that may not understand that? I find that incredibly beautiful and humbling on, for both men. And there are many cir- circumstances like that on, on a number of lyrics that are it just, again, our, our humanity's way of grasping at trying to express how we encounter the love of God in our life and s- say it in a way that stirs the heart. And sometimes you write some real creative, fresh ways. Other times it just needs to be... God so loved the world that he gave his only son, you know, and you know. there you go. Yeah, man, <laughs> that's good. That's a, a different, actually, man, that's a different perspective than I've, I've ever heard. I've not thought of it from the artist's perspective in doing so uh, because changing lyrics that somebody has pains, especially artists, because I know that you guys do, and, you know, I claim myself to be a tiny artist. Yeah, but man, I'm not no, just, man, you're, but, you're quite the artist, my friend. <laughs> but uh, you, you you painstakingly go over all of the words that you choose in these songs to make them have a specific meaning, you know, and that's why we love artists. That's why we love this. It's like, man, I can't believe he said it that way. That's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And to just go and change that without even asking, is, is a, that's, a, that's a big deal. I yeah, it is. I mean, it's, and it's, not, it's not because... It's a finger wagging. I'm not like hearing that going, oh, shame on you. But it is pause and go, you know, consider yourself um, as, as not as important as the person next to you. Go, yeah. um, how would you want that done to you? Yeah. You know, and if not, then maybe you should pause and go, if this song is troublesome enough for you and you don't like that, maybe this is the song. Maybe there's, like I said earlier, an equally uh, yeah. clear song that mm-hmm. is better. Choose that and don't go rewrite your own song uh, or re- rewrite your or someone's song someone's that song. they did. Yeah. Um, that that is in a way that I think honors both the the church at large, the songwriter who did the song, and you're shepherding your people well yeah. in that way. And I also like the fact that uh, you said that, that that David Crowder at least asked about the mm-hmm. meaning or understood the meaning. You know, yeah. because I think that can go a long way in trying to actually figure out. These lyrics that we say are problemsome or troublesome, and then knowing what the heart is behind the yeah, lyrics. That absolutely, that's a, that's 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 a beautiful thing, man. So, uh, what uh, you know, I've been I've been uh, listening to some some hymn, old hymns lately, mm-hmm. you know, and I've been uh, singing "Victory in Jesus" and <laughs> "Power in the Blood." It's been uh, it's been it's been a good time. But right now, what is what's been on your heart? What song has been driving you? That's been getting you through uh, uh, whatever. Because this Christmas season, bro, is probably a struggle. Especially mm-hmm. you got three kids, man, and then you got the church, which we do some amazing things for uh, Christmas season mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like what? Uh, uh, what's been driving you? Getting yeah. you through this stuff. Um, it's funny. I'm a worship pastor. A lot of times when you when you ask me 
like what's your favorite song? A lot of times I couldn't tell you the name of any song because there's so many to, to think of and then I can't think of them. I need my spreadsheet, right? Uh, but knowing that you were going to ask this question, I did think of some songs that have really been sitting with me. There are two that kind of surface uh, close to the top. One um, is uh, Echo Holy by Red Rocks. That has just been just blessing me uh, repeatedly um, just with the emphasis on the holiness of God gathered at the highest throne, um, that place where, uh, where God lives and, and the beings that when revealed, like every time an angel is revealed of any sort, any kind of spiritual realm, the first response is fear. And they're having to say, fear not. So the places where those beings are falling in their faces before God. <laughs> and that's the place that we're invited to in Jesus to declare his holiness and his otherness. That's really just been uh, a great anthem for me, and I've just I've gotten so excited to sing that. Another one that caught me by surprise um, is a song that I had never heard of until I went away on a worship leaders retreat and heard it by um, Rita Springer. Um, many of you listening may know her or not, um, but it's a song called Defender, and uh, really caught me by surprise. And what I loved about that song kind of says two things. One was um, in the bridge of the song, it says, when I thought I lost me, you know where I left me. You reintroduced me to your love. Society, like the journey that I've been at times is sometimes you go through life and you kind of forget. You don't even know who you are and you're, you're struggling. You go through identity issues or just trying to figure out what, what God wants for your life or what are you doing? You know, kind of feel like you're going through the motions. And that, that line hit me really hard to go like, you know exactly where I am. You see me. I heard that, and I was just, I mean, I nearly was on my face when I heard that song. Um, and then the chorus just is, um, says, hallelujah, uh, great defender, so much better your way. Mm. And uh, it, dearie, yeah. I'm just thinking about it. It's just that declaration of like, I don't, if I really remember God's kindness towards me and his goodness, um, I can let go of my way. Because his way is so much better. So when we got to that part in the song, like he is always coming through me, through for me in victory, and he has accomplished the greatest victory through his resurrection mm. over death and my sin. And then, then I've seen his faithfulness in my life time and time again in the small details where he sees my life. Then it, when I get to that part in the song, hallelujah, so much better your way. Um, that really, like, it is just, it builds my faith. Like, his way is better. Mm. And if I could really trust that, that that, I think that would change the way I see my circumstances, the the stressors that I feel right now in Christmas season, trying to pull off a service. Those kinds of things won't feel as monstrous because just being with him is enough. And I could trust that his way is better. And um so I'm not trying to get preachy, but that that song really just connected in a way I didn't see coming from an artist I didn't really know well. And uh, so, yeah, go check it out. <laughs> oh, man, that's a uh, Defender. Defender. By Rita, Rita Springer. Rita Springer. Yeah, I've not heard that. Rita Springer sounds like a good name. Though. Oh, yeah, man. That does have a good name. <laughs> <laughs> but that sure is a good word, though, man. I remember one of the things that really turned my whole life around. Uh, I was in Christ, but it was like, like you said, sometimes you feel lost, you know where you are. And it's an old song, but it's that Who I Am by, by Casting Crowns. Mm -hmm. And 
when it said I am yours, it kind of it kind of hits you harder. Like you said, you was down on your face worshiping after you heard that lyric. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, I I started ugly crying. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. you know, just sometimes the words of songs, and and that's what this is about. This worship podcast talking about is because not only was it the music, but it's the words of the song and the way they said it. You know, mm-hmm. the, the time they took to write those lyrics mm-hmm. hit you in a, in a more powerful way than it could have ever done. Mm-hmm. And and that's the beauty of God using men, which is amazing. Like you said, he allows us. He doesn't need us, but he allows us to enter into uh, his ability to change mm. lives, man, and, and how that changed my life because of, of a music and, and the words of the song. So, yeah. man, I appreciate you so much for yeah, coming man. on, man. Absolutely. I love talking about this. And honestly, the questions that you've asked really just kind of forced me to really put what I operate out of on a regular basis to put into words as to the why, which has been a great exercise. So very grateful for that. Well, I'm glad I could help you out as well. <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> I know that there's been people asking me questions about all sorts of these things, man. And, and and it's good to hear someone who is in this position talk about it, man. So I thank you so much and hope to have you on sometime. Maybe we'll talk about secular songs and, and how they can be helpful too. Uh, because, uh, yeah, it, it's God... Like you said, all truth is God's truth. So mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing, man. Thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm. And uh, guys, check them out. We got some uh, albums. What's the albums out and where can we get them? Because that, that's dope, bro. Yeah. yeah, that's another thing that was so cool. A lot of, we, uh, we have two EPs out under Hewland Street Worship, if you want to check us out. And it's pretty much anywhere you could stream music. And uh, a lot of songs that we um, have been also a part of have been written by some other um, uh, musicians. So we could probably put that in the show notes for you. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, man. Check them out. Yeah, and our boy Aaron here, man, Pastor Aaron, is is also got he's got some some uh what's that call it? The like like your name is in the bottom of the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I do. I've got a few of songs out there myself with yeah, some friends. That's <laughs> awesome. That's amazing, man. Well, I appreciate you again for being here. I know I can't say it enough, man. I thank you so much. It's been a long time coming and yeah, it's man. here, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So we'll see you guys in the uh next podcast. Oh.